With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an extremely late episode of Political Straight Talk. I am your host, Political Superman, coming to you live from the foothills of the Cherokee National Forest, the time, 11.32 on the East Coast and 8.32 on the Left Coast. I have Mark, my trusty co-host with me tonight, and this episode of Political Straight Talk is brought to you by the Wall Street Journal, where you get your news in time, on time, every time. Go to wsj.com, enter in Political Straight Talk in the discount box, and we both save. I make money, you save money. We're all happy. Also brought to you by Chick-fil-A, where they did not invent the chicken sandwich. Or, excuse me. See, I messed it up. Sorry, Chick-fil-A. Where they did not invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. We will begin giving away free coupons for your number ones starting at the first of the month because we've given away all that we're allotted for this month. So make sure you send your comments to us at politicalstraighttalk.com at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And also, you can reach us on Facebook at Political Straight Talk. Duh. Tonight's episode is going to be about the election process and the primaries and that wonderful organization called the State Executive Committee and why they are important to you. We have a couple of guests that are over from we have Carry On Our Wayward Son in Kansas. She is joining us, and we have... Miss Barbara, who is great and awesome and reminds me of the Wizard of Oz and the guy behind the curtain saying, don't look at the guy behind the curtain. <laughs> so let's get this crack a Mark, how are you this evening? I'm fine. How are you? I'm, I'm peachy, well but you didn't yourself. sound like Mark. <laughs> I'm well in yourself. I am peachy. So Wonderful. Let's get going. There's been a lot of talk. We have been working with RagtagPatriots.com. You can go over there and check them out. They're an awesome organization, which I'm proud to be a part of, and Mark is a part of, and Barbara's a part of, and Kansas is a part of, and if uh, Laura has snuck in here, that Laura is a part of. And we are working to build a grassroots movement over there to encourage and educate people on how to get involved in the political process, which brings us to the primary process. And we've been having discussions about how primaries work and basically why the Republican Party has run amok. And, Mark, I would I would say that the reason the GOP has run amok nationally is because people are uneducated on how they work on a state level and that the only way to fix that is to educate people on what a state executive committee person does state by state and how we can oust those that basically hijack the Republican Party during this election cycle. What say you? 
I think you're correct for the most part. But you also have the population who have been registered Republican for umpteen number of years, but do not get involved except to go vote every election cycle. If people would know how the sausage was made, it's instead of just wanting to eat the sausage, I think they would have a much more conservative and a more policy-centric Republican Party. But it's the it's the the population itself that's refusing to take the necessary steps in order to secure a Republican Party which they desire. We all have our issues each election cycle that a person that we wanted was not on the ballot. Well, it it's up to you to do something besides going vote to make that happen. There's campaigning, there's a host of other other options, but one of the biggest things you have to do is get involved in your local GOP and know who your representatives are on a state level. Because for the most part, most of the states are broken down into districts. And each district has a representative or a group of representatives. And say for primary season, it wouldn't hurt if you tried getting yourself on the ballot to be a delegate. So go to the RNC and make your voice heard. I think you're I think you're spot on with that. And uh I think that uh we have to I think that begins back with education. Now to move into that a little bit because uh some of our guests that are on here this evening are wanting to know with the SECs, how do you affect the change? Because they are basically a group that stays very under the radar. And I can tell you that it wasn't until 2000 that I began, became involved in affecting how the SEC operates. So just to let listeners know, this is kind of how the SEC operates. And it does vary some state by state, so this is not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, cookie cutter, it does have different shades. And basically the SEC meets, they set the rules for your local parties, your county parties, your uh, province, whatever they're called in the various states. And they also determine the rules on how to get on the state ballots. Now for those of you, it's it's very similar on the Democratic side too. They're just not as thorough about who's on their ballot as we are or how we used to be. And so... They will come together and they will say, okay, the rules for being on the ballot are such. A person goes to the election commission, they pull a ballot, they follow the state guidelines to get their name on the ballot. In the state of Tennessee, to run for the state legislature, you need 35 signatures. To run for Congress, you need 235 signatures. To run for the Senate, 235 signatures. The threshold is very low. They must be registered voters, and their signatures are verified, which makes the petition legal. Any other type of petition is illegal and does not work. Okay? Let me just put that out there for everybody. Now, then you get into, okay, rolling into the election cycle, and let's say someone doesn't like your candidate. In this election cycle, we had a lot of people not liking Donald Trump. So... What should have happened is a group of people should have come together, went to the chairman of the 
Republican Party of the various states and said, we don't like this guy and we feel he is not a Republican. The chairman then calls a meeting of the Republican com- the state executive committee and they basically air out the grievances and then put it to a vote. Yes, he's bona fide to be on the Republican ticket. No, he or she isn't bona fide to be on the Republican ticket. And they take a vote. If the majority of the vote, and in Tennessee it's a majority, in some other states it is a supermajority, say, look, he's not on the ballot, then his name is stripped from the ballot, removed from the Republican ballot, and he would have to register as an independent in order to run. Then the Republicans would then name another nominee. They would put somebody in his place or put somebody up if it's prior to the primary election. The key is this challenge has to be done before the certification of the vote. Okay, And each state varies on how they certify. Tennessee certifies within 15 days of the vote. Okay, Now, let's go into the other part of this and open versus closed primaries, which is also another question and another thing that people don't understand. And, Mark, if you don't mind, give the listeners a brief synopsis of an open and closed primary, and I would go ahead and give a couple of positives and a couple of negatives on both. Okay, a closed primary means that in order for a person to vote in the primary for a particular party, you must be registered with that party by a certain day. Advantages of that is you have, say, the Republican primary. You have Republicans who are going to vote in the primary. There have been Republicans, or even if they're newly, formed, newly registered Republicans, they're still Republicans. And most states, there's a few weeks prior to the election in which you have to be registered. An open primary is a primary where anybody can vote for a a particular candidate in either primary. So if you want Democrats... Well, here's a great example. For those who listen to Rush Limbaugh, in 2008, Rush Limbaugh started a campaign called Operation Chaos. What he was trying to do... Is that where Republicans crossed over and voted for Hillary because there was no primary opponent on our ballot? Correct. So they pulled Democratic ballots in open states. Okay. Yes. Now, there are some people that are theorizing that the reason why Donald Trump won so many of the open primaries is because you had a lot of crossover of Democrats and independents going to vote for him maybe to skew the election, maybe because they felt he was the right person. But nevertheless, the closed primaries were mostly won by Ted Cruz. Louisiana, who had a closed primary, was one of the few exceptions. Donald Trump won Louisiana by only a handful of votes because in the last few days before the election, Ted Cruz was making inroads. Now, the problem with the open election is you have that crossover vote. You have people who may not be Republicans, 
and it may not be Republican voices that are choosing the delegation from that state going to the RNC. On the other hand, the closed primary, you are almost ensured that Republicans and people who view themselves ideologically as Republicans will choose delegates for the RNC that best fit their ideology. I don't disagree with that. I really don't. Now, the next question, this election has brought up one thing, and that is the question of should all primaries be closed? Now, I have always been a supporter of closed primaries because I do think that in order to vote for one party or the other, if that's how you're going to go, you should declare. And I don't think you should be wishy-washy, and you should have a belief system. Now, again, on the flip side of that, there are others that believe that um, you should be able to choose which party based on the candidate, yada, yada, yada. I agree with that, too, but I think that we have to... um, I think we should put things in place that people can change if they want to, but I do think primaries ought to be closed because I don't think the other party should be able to influence the outcome of another party's nominee which is what happened in this case. Yeah. Okay. And I think that this is a hard lesson learned. And as I've said since the day I started doing this show in 2005, that you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And if you're going to have a principle, you're going to have a belief, then you stand on it. Okay. And you choose to... You choose to do uh, what is right. Now, I will... Excuse me just a moment. Well, let me expand on something. In Louisiana, for example, we have a closed primary system. But when it comes to congressional and senatorial elections, we have something called a jungle primary where there are no primary for the the parties, there is a one big election where everyone on the ballot is up, and then there is a runoff election, which is would be considered a general. Mm-hmm. In some states that do have the open primary, One of the reasons why they're doing this is because the legislatures, be it on the state level and the congressional levels and even the senatorial levels, in order, because of the way certain states' election laws are written, by having a closed primary, it would put many politicians in jeopardy of losing a primary. That's one of the reasons why Louisiana has this jungle primary. Are you talking about the 50% runoff? Something like that. Where they take the two top, if you don't get 50%. Yeah. And Texas has that too. You have to get 50% plus one in a multiple candidate runoff, or they narrow it down to two and then run it down. 
and that would be called overloading the ballot, and that's actually used in several states. If you want to beat an incumbent, you uh, I'll give you an example. The Tennessee 4th, okay, they have... They've attempted to beat Desjardins by putting multiple people in there that didn't work. They put a guy in there that would have done okay, but that abortion ad he ran at the end uh, gave Desjardins the votes that he needed. But let's address let's address one other subject, and then we'll go to the roundtable part of it. And that is the Lord, I've lost my train of thought. Early voting. Now, early voting has been in place in my state since I have been old enough to vote. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I have never, ever voted on Election Day. But really? having said... I'm hmm. sorry? I was saying, really? I, I, well, you know, I worked in politics. I early voted. I voted when I could. Because uh, on Election Day, I was going to be busy. Uh, one year, I almost forgot to vote. <laughs> Um, I was so busy. I was busy trying to get everybody else to vote. And the thing about early voting, I do not like early voting. I never have liked early voting. That sounds kind of hypocritical of me. I understand. But I don't. I never have liked early voting. Okay? And uh, the thing is, is that early voting allows you to track the progress based on your ballots based on a Republican ballot or Democrat ballot. And if you see your people's not going to the poll, that gives you extra time to get your guys out there. gives you extra time to do shenanigans. And the Founding Fathers wanted one day that the election was done, and that's that. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I think that's where it should be. Uh, so I think that early voting will be next. Uh, I do think that a lot of states want to go away from early voting. And... Uh, it just seems to me, to be honest with you, that the 2012 election has shown a a need for uh, voter ID laws, um, and that's a whole other show. We won't get into that because you know we're on a time on this one, but the we're on a timer on this one. But voter ID laws are important. Um, and I'll refer everybody back to the Supreme Court and the Miranda case where it said that everybody in the United States had to have an ID on them at all times. Mm-hmm. So if you're required to carry an ID, why is it such a burden to have an ID in the voter polls? Um, secondly, I think we close the primaries. Thirdly, I think that we do away with early voting. I don't think there's such a bad idea with absentee voting. I think if you're going to have to be out of town or away, I do think you should have an ability to do that. And I think that you use the voter rolls for that purpose. Okay? Or voter rolls, I'm sorry. Use what the early voting rules would be to allow for people that are going to be out of town, gone, whatever. Uh, The military. I will tell you all something on here that... Most people don't know, and that is the military's ballots generally do not count. Why? Surprised, are you? Yeah. In 2000, in the state of Florida, they threw away every military ballot that came in in the absentee form. Threw them all away. Yeah. In every state, 
they get thrown away. Oregon, they throw theirs away. They have thrown so many ballots away that it's not even funny. I watched, I was in Broward County watching the pregnant chads, dimpled chads, hanging chads, chads that weren't married, chads that were married, chads that were married to other chads because Adam and Steve, not Adam and Eve. But the... Somebody had to hear you on that. And we had a lot of aborted chads that day. So it was. There was a whole lot of chads that day. So I watched as these ballots would come in and the counties would literally throw them in the trash can. I believe it. Was it Stalin who said it's not who votes, it's rather who counts the votes? That is correct. Did you watch the movie Recount? That's I chose not to. Water. I was there. Mm-hmm. Bush won that election fair and square. Oh, he would have won it by a larger margin if the votes of the service people would have counted. I know. The you. idea of the recount and the recount and the recount is to throw away enough ballots that Al Gore would have gotten the election. That's yeah. the whole purpose of the recounting. And the fact that the Supreme Court of Florida stepped in, then the Democrats made an emergency injunction to the Supreme Court, and they stepped in, and the Supreme Court said, you know what, the heck with your shenanigans. Well, Either, go ahead. Well, let me, let me clarify a couple of things, because that was one of my states. Trust me, when I knew at 4 o'clock in the morning that this election was not going to be called, I was like, oh, we're in for crap. I didn't know it was going to be 32 days. Mm-hmm. But... I, listen, I saw so many ballots, my eyeballs were crossing, okay? It was, it was. I don't know how those guys did it. And when the Supreme, here's the interesting thing. Had Bush got what he wanted in his ruling, he would have lost. Had Gore got what he wanted in his ruling, he would have lost. It was, the Supreme Court actually issued two different rulings, Okay. People only talk about the one, and that is the stopping of the recount. Right. Okay? That was a 5-4 decision along party lines. What they don't talk about is the 7-2 ruling that actually made Bush the president. Right. Okay? And the Supreme Court gave both campaigns an opportunity. They're like, okay, Gore wanted four counties to be counted. Bush wanted all 65 counties to be counted. They wanted to set the guidelines on what was an accepted vote and what wasn't. So it never got to the vote part of it. That's where Bush would have lost and Gore would have won if Bush's had been approved and vice versa. But what they did is they ruled that, okay, you have to have all 65 counties. If you're going to do a recount, you can't cherry-pick four counties that are heavily Democrat and try to get the votes you need. And Gore did not want all 65 counties because up in the upper panhandle there was just as much voter issues going on with the Republicans which is heavy in the northern part as there was in the southern part where Miami-Dade, uh, Broward and those other counties are. Okay? Mm-hmm. They stopped um, the recount vote to stop the recount if they refused to do all 65 counties. 
Now remember, it has to be the campaign to request all 65 counties. And since Gore had initiated the recount, he had to ask for all 65. When he refused, the Supreme Court ruled 7-2 seven, seven to two to stop the count. And let yeah. me rephrase that. It was 7-2. to two. The 4-5 to five vote, the 5-4 vote, was still simply on procedural moves. Okay? Now, when the ruling came down, and we were ordered, when it was determined that he was going to be the president, the newspapers... Okay, anybody knows newspapers in Florida, all of them are liberal as get out. I'll get out. They did a FOIA and asked that all ballots be given to them. All ballots. Military, whatnot. Every ballot was counted. Okay? They counted all of them. If it was even remotely possible that the vote went one way or the other, they counted them. It was done by Republican auditors, Democratic auditors. Does anybody know what that total came out to be after they finished counting? Bush 500. That was the official certification by the recount office. Do you know Bush what the number? Bush 1,500. Mark, you're cheating yes. because you already knew the answer to this because I've discussed this before, but it was a little over 1,500 votes that Bush would have taken Florida. And what is interesting is had all 65 counties been counted fully, okay, had had no voting shenanigans been done, there was nearly 4,000 complaints by Republicans that they weren't allowed to vote. Okay? This would have been an election that wouldn't have even fall under the, fell under the category of a recount because it wouldn't have been less than 1%. Right. Well, you had the problem with Florida being part of two time zones. The peninsula itself is on Eastern time, and the panhandle is on Central time. So you had most of the alphabet networks who were calling Florida for Gore. Yeah. And most of the polls in the panhandle did not close yet. Right. If you just some lessons for the future in voting, okay? Laura says, right, Mark. If it rains, good for Republicans, bad for Democrats. Mm-hmm. If it snows, great for Republicans, terrible for Democrats. If it is extremely cold, great for Republicans, bad for Democrats. If it is sunny and the temperature is above 45, <laughs> bad, bad for, Republicans, for Republicans, good for Democrats. And if the welfare cards were replenished, and I will tell you, if election day falls during those first ten, the first uh, five to six days of the month where benefits are distributed across the country, you can hang it up. It's good for Democrats. the The good thing is the it's I'm trying. What it's the seventh of November this year. Fifty eight. This one will be the, the eighth, eighth, which falls It'll within the, the eighth. which falls within the benefit drop. Yeah, because the first ten days because you month, have the first and the third. Yep. Yeah, it falls within the benefit day the drop. Now, in when I looked at the farmer's almanac, it's going to be it's it's going to be interesting. I'm not willing. I'm not ready to predict voter turnout yet in every state, but I will tell you, 
On the East Coast, Republicans will turn out heavy. Now, whether those votes go to Trump or not, I'm not going to say. I don't know yet. But voter turnout will be heavy on the East Coast and in the Midwest. Left Coast, couldn't tell you. There's still a lot of unanswered questions out there. But let's go ahead and bring everybody else in on the conversation that may have questions or comments. And uh, so let us go. Barbara or Kansas or Laura. And the only reason I call you Kansas is I don't remember your name. It's Kim. Did you say Kim? Mm-hmm. Okay, Kim. Anybody have any questions? It's just... I'm sorry? Oh, I'm just, you know, it's so, you know, so a lot to digest and, you know. Well, let's go back to something that it's you said earlier about the voter ID. If you notice the states in which Obama and the DOJ questioned the legitimacy of the voter ID laws, Obama won those states in 2012. North Carolina, for example, um, New Mexico. I mean, there's a host of other states. Louisiana has had a voter ID law for countless years, but they are never attacked by it because the DOJ and the Democrats know that Louisiana is going to vote Republican in most election cycles. And then with Texas and the same thing with a host of other states where they are blood red, so there are no inroads made by the Democrats. But if you notice in between 2008 and 2012, the DOJ got involved with a numerous, in numerous cases of states deciding that they're going to enact a voter ID law. And they stepped in, they interceded, and when they were not able to push that movement for the election cycle, Obama won those states. Well, a lot of people think that the voter ID laws um, is going to prevent them somehow from voting. I don't know where they're getting their information, but, you know, (laughs) I just question as to, you know, what article are you reading? You know, (laughs) voter ID laws means that your vote will count. Remember that Remember that when when you have an argument, you either have facts or you pound the table. Okay, and Democrats understand that they can't win in an argument of fact when it comes to voter IDs. Okay, so they have to pound the table, and this is disenfranchising. The only thing, and I'm on the record as this before, and this is my podcast, so I can be on the record with this again. But I'm just going to lay it out there. The only thing that they even remotely do is make these people that they claim are so disenfranchised look like stupid idiots mm-hmm. that can't get an ID. How do they drive? Okay? Yeah. Yeah. How do they get back and forth? How do they get anything? How do they rent their apartment? How do they get into college? They said, well, it's college students. How do they get into college? You have to have an ID to get in the college doors. Mm-hmm. So to those of you that will listen to this podcast that are, oh, well, I'm disenfranchised and I don't need a voter ID. It is bad. 
Well, guess what? You're stupid. And you probably shouldn't vote anyway. Because if you're so dumb that you can't go to the motor motor voter place and get an ID, you don't deserve to drive. You don't deserve to even be in this country because you're required to have an ID. Get over it and go get one or don't vote and don't cry to me about, oh, I can't get one. Bullshit. Right. You got to have an ID even to buy liquor, for God's sake. I mean, yeah, come on. Everyone, everybody remembers Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent and all this crap. Well, Miranda has been around for about 50 years now. Well, one of the caveats to that Supreme Court ruling was not only do you have the right to remain silent and all this other things that you see on the television about what the police have to tell you, the other caveat to that is you must carry an ID, an ID I some kind of I'm sorry. You must carry some form of government issued identification at all times. That is the second part of the Miranda law. Mm-hmm. And most people they don't realize that they 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 know the <coughs> the rights aspects as a, as for the 4th amendment. But the Supreme Court has already ruled that you must carry an ID with you at all times. And the fact that the Democrats are saying that it's an inconvenience for you to to get an ID, that's nonsense because the Democrats have decided that it is more pertinent for them if you do not have an ID when you go to vote, because they could flood the rolls and flood the electorate with countless people who are committing voter fraud. And when I said earlier about the DOJ going after certain states who are imposing voter laws or ID laws, you do have an increase in voter fraud in those states. Mm Now, there's horror stories where there's people that are claiming that they can vote in five different states. Mm-hmm. We, we can all remember the ACORN controversy in 2008 where conservative journalists went ahead and interviewed people who claimed that they voted 57 times or voted more than once. And that's the thing about the manipulation of the vote. You know, you can go as far back as 1960. If Richard Nixon wanted to challenge Ohio, he could actually have been the president then. Because there were so many in the I'm sorry, there were so many voter anomalies in that state that if he had indeed challenged it, he may have been the president instead of JFK. But, I mean, it's, it's that all relative. True. It's all relative and it's all politics. They went back and did a count on that election and had Richard Nixon challenged that he would have won the presidency and JFK wouldn't have been president. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, at the at the end of the day, and I do apologize, but we're 
time is running down for us here. And let's do this. At the end of the day, the way we change this is close the primaries, educate the people on the state executive committee, and put true conservatives on the state constitutional conservatives on the state executive committee. And you educate, educate, educate. For without education, there is nothing else. And I know people... I know that people, you know, get tired of me hammering the whole education aspect, but education, education, education. And it is important that we get involved in the political process, and instead of telling me why you're not going to be involved in the process and you don't get involved, well, if you don't get involved, shut up and go home and let those of us that want to make a difference make a difference. Right. Yeah, now, absolutely. having said that, uh, I'm going to give you a. I'm going to give I, you a small synopsis of my night. I'm sorry. I have been watching the Weather Channel the entire day. <laughs> the place that I work for has a television, and it's either the Weather Channel or Fox News. Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a political junkie. So when I'm at home, I'm mostly watching Fox News because I want the news and I want the political aspect of it. Well, at work, I have gotten tired of the politics angle. Well, this whole night, I've been watching about hurricanes. Well, I've had customers that have come in and I've said, what they're doing is nothing more than sensationalism. And you want to rile up the public into fearing something that's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, my coworker asked, "Why are people like? Why are people the way that they are?" And I simply said, "Because they are more dependent on somebody else making their decisions than they are themselves." Mm-hmm. And when you have a populace who decides that they will vote for the party rather than the ideas or the person or the ideology, then you have a populace who is flying blind. And for the most part, many Republicans and many independents who have decided to vote for Donald Trump in the primaries have said are saying, I'm sorry, that when he speaks, he resonates with them. (laughs) Now, that's because those people who have decided to support him do not take personal responsibility in the way that they are governed. And that's really a problem in our society because we look toward someone else to make our decisions. Right. Be it political, be it financial, be it whatever. And with that, you have poor choices made by people who should have been educated to the facts of what a person should really do about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to take responsibility. 
I mean, for everything. I agree. For you, for I agree, too. Now, we can preach conservatism until we're blue in the face. But until people actually realize what conservatism really is, it's a moot point. Because you can live your life as being responsible for your own actions, responsible for your own fiscal well-being, and be responsible for the votes that you make. But if you do not realize and do not actually participate in your voting cycles or your representation, you're just beholden to someone else. Mm -hmm. What I... Well, Fabian knows this. In 2015, I'm sorry, in 2013, I decided to take it upon myself to go after a sitting senator from Louisiana. And I literally waged a guerrilla war campaign against her. And in the long run, after working for 18 months, putting out stories about her in political blogs, I got the people to vote her out of office. I have friends that call me a dragon slayer. But what I have done is something that most people should have done a long, long time ago. Because I used that idea of personal responsibility and personal choice to go after someone. What I did was influence minds. And once you do that, you're able to manipulate the electorate. Mm -hmm. Now... Let me catch my breath. Now, if everyone would take it upon Mark, themselves to look... Mark, excuse me a minute. I got a dipshit in here. So <laughs> let me let me set this little idiot straight. If okay. you're going to come in here and you're going to flap your gums, know what you're talking about. Otherwise, remain anonymous and go listen to one of these little podcasts that Talk about sucking your thumb, okay? We got things to do and ain't got time for you. So, since you want to come in here and call me an effing idiot, let me explain something. I'm trying to do something different and you're name calling. So, kiss it. Sinar, see you later. Well, any, any person who has debate in high school. Well, no, once you resort to name-calling, you lose the argument. That's it. So if you want to be a weak-minded individual who is only beholden to the masses in which you preach yourself to, so be it. I have no use for you. I'll have to edit that part out. (laughs) I get paid for this podcast. But it continues. Continue, Mark. Thank you. I have taken it upon myself because I have deep conservative values. 
And it's not something that has been extolled on me from birth. It is something that I have learned from. The funny thing is, I am not political because I have been raised political. My parents are registered Democrats. My parents have been registered Democrats because that's what they did in South Louisiana. For Their parents years. were Democrats. Their parents' parents were Democrats. Well, and yeah. They've always that's been the Democrats. way it was. I have taken it upon myself to study the ideologies and study the parties and have come to the conclusion that I am a Republican because I am a conservative, first off. You know, Rush Limbaugh says, I'm an American first, I'm a conservative second, and I'm a Republican third. And I agree with him. But he's come out lately singing Trump's praises. No. What what Rush Limbaugh has been doing over the last few weeks is trying to ensure that a Republican holds the White House. And he has been defending Trump. And to be honest with you, I will defend Trump in this way as, as well. I do not see Trump as ideological. I see Trump as a pragmatist who will get the job done no matter which party is in power. And I believe that most of the time, when you have to interact with a political climate, you have to adjust your way of thinking or your perceived way of thinking to make money. I think Trump is nothing more than a businessman. And with that, we're dealing with two different realms. There is the business aspect and there's the political aspect. Trump was all about making money. He didn't care where it came from. He wanted to make buildings. So if he wanted to make a building in Chicago, he had to appease the Democrats who controlled Chicago. If he wanted to make a building in New York, he had to appease the Democrats who were in control of New York. And to be honest with you, it's quite genius. And that's the way that the world really revolves. Because in life, you have to deal with different ideologies. You have to deal with personal constitutions. So with dealing with that, you have to be, you know, I'll take it on a personal level. I'm a person who will not let my political ideology out unless I'm challenged. Once I'm challenged, I'm a master debater. And I will cut you down into little pieces because <laughs> I have done my research. But if you want to go as far as discussing how to make money or how does this opportunity affect you, I'm all for it. Now, with that being said, Donald Trump was in the business of making money because he was a real estate mogul. He didn't care about the ideology 
of the people who was trying to get favor from. And that's the that's what most Republicans don't understand. Most true conservatives will say, well, Trump was this, 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 and this. Well, in hindsight, Trump was doing what he needed to do to gain favor and permits to build upon his empire. So he was all about making money. I mean, Are you-, you can go, you can look at his dealings with Chicago, his dealings in New York, his dealings in Hong Kong, his dealings in Las Vegas. All of those cities were controlled by liberal ideological administrations. Well, there's a big difference between dealing with New York and Chicago than dealing with 50 states that you got to control the economy. You know, and I'm sorry, I don't think he's going to cut it. He He's too temperamental. He's too narcissistic. And he wants it his way or the highway. And we don't work like that. You know, you may work like that in Trump Towers when you're sitting across the board you know, with your directors and with your boarders and another person trying to make a real estate deal. But when you're dealing with a country in 50 different states, it's a whole different ball game. I have got a so, question you know, for everybody. I disagree here. with you. I disagree on this point. A lot of the things that Donald Trump has said over the last 18 months are things that I would have said on both Patton's podcast and on Fabian's podcast. And it's things that I believe in my heart. Now, if he is judging what he is going to say by a trial balloon, that's one thing. But if he if he is saying it out of his own concerns for this country, that's another thing. See, we we look at Donald Trump as a pragmatist who was a Democrat, say, five years ago or whenever. But you have to realize this. A lot of the things that he is saying is because he has been sitting back in his chair and has been looking at what has been going on in this country for the last 30 years. Agree. You know, I would actually, I would invite everyone to look at an interview he did with Oprah Winfrey in 1987. And it's a much younger Trump and they say very conservative Trump. And if you look at it, you would think this was the second coming of Reagan. And here's my issue with Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been a pragmatist. He has done the things that he needed to do and make money. I yeah, do not he's... know Donald Trump's heart, but I believe Donald Trump has every intention of making America great. I don't. America's already great. Well, let me... Okay, Mark, I'm going to save you from yourself here, okay? Okay. I'm just going to save you. 
Right, well, I'm going to call you out. Let me ask you a question. Who are you voting for for president on election day? Sounds like he's going to vote for Trump. Well, if our little exercise in civics does not pan out, I will probably be voting for Donald Trump because I see Hillary Clinton as the embodiment of despotism. Okay. You're a brave man for admitting that. (laughs) You you would put, you're telling me, you would put nuclear codes in the hands of a man with a temperament of a three-year-old. He can't even stand a wait, 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 no, wait, wait a minute, minute here. Wait a minute. Now, I've been quiet all no, night. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I understand I've that. I've been quiet all but night. I understand the way that the nuclear clothes are distributed. You see, when you become president, and the first five minutes of you being president, you are given a book, and you are taught how to be a leader. Now, Barack Obama had no idea how to be the president of the United States come January 20th of 2007. But he fell into the role because there were certain people who will advise him as how to become president. I do not believe that Donald Trump, in any of his temperament, will launch nuclear missiles at any other country. I do not. Good luck, Wait, 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 Mark. Barbara, hold up. Okay, Barbara, go ahead with your statement. I was going to say, come on. Now, he's made some stupid statements. He's not qualified to be president. I'm sorry. Just listen to what he says. He can't make a statement one day without changing it five times the next day. He's flipped on immigration so many times, I don't even know what he's talking about. Okay? <laughs> this is the man that you want to be president? No, wait a minute I, here. No, I'm sorry. He, he slipped on immigration because that is what <laughs> the media has told you that he believes now. Yeah, I've listened to him talk, Mark. I've heard what Mark, he has to say. Mark, I, I'm just going to go ahead and... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just save you the trouble on this one. I've heard it, too, with my own ears, and it's not the media on this one. It's totally Trump. Yeah. Let let us move back to the topic at hand before you get a telephone uh, beating. Um, I will say this, and then I I need to get done so I can stop the recording, and then we'll talk. But here's the deal, okay? If we're going to, uh, by the way, Laura in chat says, uh, he can do a lot of other damage short of nuclear war. Agreed. Tick That's him right. off, and he goes off on Twitter. That's true. <laughs> and he did have, he actually had four flip-flops in 24 hours. So, Mark, let's try not to defend this. Now, for the record, and I know Mark's sitting there thinking this, and he doesn't want to say this because he don't want to set the host out. But this host did, in fact, say a while back, that should Trump be the nominee, that I would cast my ballot for Trump. I did say that. I'm on recording as having said that. I'm on the record as having said that. However, that changed. And 
I have freely admitted that it changed, and it has a lot to do with the lesser of two evils is still evil, and there comes a time that you have to, a time for choosing, as Ronald Reagan would say. And it's like this. I had to make a choice. Do I stand on my principles and my beliefs, and or do I vote for the lesser of two evils and hold my nose? And the deal is, and Mark, you've missed this, if we continue to vote the lesser of two evils, we're going to be continued to be given the lesser of two evils. That's right. We're and until we choose mm-hmm. to take a stand and stop it, you have to sometimes lose to win. And that's where we are. Now, let me let me shut this off and we'll, we'll keep going. Okay. Today we discussed the SEC. We've discussed a little bit about open and closed primaries. We will be resuming our normal Political Straight Talk episodes week next. I'll wait and address that after the recording's off. Uh, we will beginning beginning our regular roundtable discussions. Hopefully we have more people on our roundtable. Uh, we'll be doing two episodes a week, one that will be fully roundtable and then one that will be uh, Q&A and bringing people in where we can talk strict politics, strict issues of the day, and we'll do Q&A sessions uh, since the crowds have been growing over time. Uh, I will tell you that our last podcast that we did a few weeks ago reached the 10,000 download mark. I'm a happy guy. Thank you all very much. Uh, We appreciate that. Now, for those of you out there, remember, please thank a soldier, for without them we have no freedoms. Please thank the families, because without them we have no soldiers. Thank a veteran. If you see one in the street and homeless, take them a meal. My name is Fabian. You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. On behalf of Mark and myself, we are your host of Political Straight Talk, and this is us saying have a good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.